0: Hello and welcome to FOXED, the new practical podcast series from FOX & Partners. In these podcasts, we'll be looking at scenarios from our day-to-day practice, offering solutions to some of the most pressing partnership and employment law questions we hear from our clients. Our goal is to offer a digest of some of today's key issues in a succinct and practical style that we hope you'll find useful and engaging. Thanks for listening.
1: Hello, everyone, and a warm welcome to Fox & Partners, first in a series of podcasts in which we'll tackle some of the most important issues of the day in partnership and employment law. Uh, My name's Ivor Adair. I'm a partner at Fox & Partners. I'm joined by my colleague and associate Shiv Raja, and through the marvel of technology, we're recording this podcast remotely. And Shiv, if it's anything like our catch-up meetings at Fox & Partners, I can only predict interest and levity. So the issue we'd like to tackle today is the incredibly tricky issue of spotting and investigating suspicions of competitive activity or a team move in the COVID-19 or remote working environment. And for the purposes of this discussion, we'll focus on employees only and not partners, as there can be important differences in the partnership field. We may come back to that issue on another day. Obviously, huge numbers of people, particularly those in financial services and professional practice, are continuing to work at least partly from home, and it's reasonable to assume this will, for many, continue. Just thinking about the contact shift, what are your thoughts about the current environment and the potential drivers the business ought to be alive to? Have you noticed any trends, any patterns in the past months?
0: Thanks, Ivor. Well,
1: many businesses are still feeling the effects of the global pandemic, and the past few
0: months have been extremely difficult. However, the economy is now slowly emerging, and we're seeing some signs of recovery. During the pandemic, we've seen the movement of some senior executives and their teams who have been faced with a variety of push and pull factors. On the one hand, we're seeing a huge amount of pressure on senior executives to perform in an environment where there's been a downturn in many areas of work. Unfortunately, the reality of the situation is is if the sales are not there or fees are not being generated, people might be asked to leave. At the same time, many senior individuals might actually want to leave because the grass seems greener elsewhere. Employees have spent more time away from their colleagues, and being away from the office has given many people the time to think through their future. The consequence of this is that many employees will now be evaluating their options. With less time in that collective space of the office, relationships can become weakened. Many employees will be thinking about moving to a competitor, and unfortunately, some of them will be prepared to do this unlawfully. If businesses are not careful, they could see a senior executive walk out of the door with an entire team and a book of clients. This could have a devastating impact on the business.
1: Yes, I've picked up on that too. It's really important just to keep in mind the incredible lengths some employees will go to conceal their activities. With that in mind, it's really important to try and build safeguards into your day-to-day operations.
0: Absolutely, Ivor. It's important for businesses to plan for the worst case scenario, and that involves thinking about what would happen if the employee does cross the line. How would the business respond in that situation? Does it have the systems in place to deal with the team move? A good starting point is to make sure that your employees' contracts are up to date. For example, how long is the notice period? Having a short notice period of just a few months for very senior employees might not be appropriate. Consider whether the employee has restrictive covenants. If there aren't covenants in place, what's stopping your employee from finishing work with you on Friday and then starting work with your competitor on Monday and then poaching your employees? Is there a clause which says that the employee has a contractual obligation to inform you about an offer of employment from a competitor? These are all points employers should be thinking about. Looking at the practical side, employers should consider the significance of an employee's digital footprints. As everyone knows, there's been a significant increase in the amount of data that's being created by all of us. With the increased use of workplace technology, particularly in the context of the pandemic, there's been an incredible shift in working practices like we've never seen before. For example, a lot of people are working from home with very easy access to a printer where they can print off confidential documents. Without appropriate safeguards in place, there is a risk that employers might miss out on the signs of potentially unlawful activity.
1: So Shiv, uh, let's conjure up a scenario to talk about these issues in more practical terms. Uh, Let's say you're the managing director of a recruitment agency. Uh, The leadership team is hardworking and loyal, uh, but there are a few senior associates who've been passed over for promotion and are probably not properly rewarded. They think they might have a better experience elsewhere. The business has been on the wrong end of a small team move in the past, and learning from that experience, it's taken legal advice, and it has a basic plan in place for dealing with that risk. Where a threat is spotted, a small team will instruct lawyers and IT specialists, and another team will deal with stabilising relationships with clients. So what kinds of things should the managing director be looking out for? Well
0: it's a very interesting scenario. You should look at human behaviour and pay attention to any unexplained patterns. So unusual holiday requests or arranging meetings at unusual times of the day or with new people inside and outside the business. A basic telltale sign includes an employee randomly asking for a copy of their employment contract or post termination restrictions. Think about how things come across. If the employee has been with you for 20 years and has never spoken to anyone before about their employment contract and one day out of the blue they email HR asking for a copy of it, it should probably set alarm bells ringing. Other signs may be a bit more subtle though, not immediately apparent. For example a statutory director may resign as a director to remain employee but the reason given may appear a
1: bit curious. Mm, And presumably some of these warning signs are more difficult to pick up on in our remote working environment. Yes, that's right. But that's why it's vital to have proper procedures and policies
0: in place and a proper IT system with effective controls to pick up on that unusual activity and for that activity to then be escalated. For example, an individual emailing lots of documents to a private email address, or printing or scanning documents for no good reason, usually merits immediate questions. And in this situation, time can be of the essence. Other warning signs are individuals logging into the work system at the weekend or very early in the morning when they wouldn't ordinarily do that. A big indication that something might be going on is where an individual resigns and the reasons they give for resigning just don't make much sense. If that same individual is refusing to confirm the name of their new employer, a very large alarm bell should start going off. There is also the employee's digital footprint to consider in emails, voicemails, CCTV, swipe card entry, printing and messaging, perhaps even social media posts. If a Facebook post goes out which says, looking forward to a new start, it might get back to the employer. However, however, it's all about balance. There is an inherent temptation to deploy powerful technologies without regard to privacy rights. There are traps for the employer, and it's important to consider the employee's rights. A basic point is the importance of ensuring employees are aware that monitoring is taking place or could take place in the future. This should be set out in policies, and those policies should be brought to the attention of the employee. Employers should also be mindful of the UK GDPR which is legislation that contains provisions related to the processing of the personal data of individuals, and sets out the requirements for how organisations need to handle personal data. Having blanket consent to process the data is an unlikely legal base for processing. Businesses will need to justify their use of monitoring, which means ensuring the business's needs outweigh the intrusion into employee privacy. So in other words, really it should be the least intensive method for the shortest period necessary to achieve that purpose. Getting these policies right and carrying out a data protection impact assessment would be sensible to avoid a challenge about privacy rights later on. So now I have a question for you. If, in our scenario, there looks like what is the harvesting of some pricing information by not one but three employees to a personal email address, what should the management team do to investigate? It's looking like a team move. But again, that could just be explained by the IT system failures that occurred at the same time that day, provoking staff to email some work to their personal email address.
1: Well, ideally, you would check the target employee's contract of employment and your workplace policy to understand what powers the business has for return of devices and to interrogate those devices. Also, check your policy and what it says regarding monitoring communications. Then you ought to carry out your systems analysis. That means interrogating, so far as is reasonable, all electronic devices that contain information. It is surprising how many people think their electronic tracks can be covered, or their communications with other individuals permanently deleted. It's just not the case. Another first big step is to seek to preserve the evidence by securing all the data on your IT system. This can be done with either the help of your IT department or with the help of an outsourced forensic expert, but do it as soon as possible. The last thing you want is for potentially valuable correspondence being deleted either intentionally or inadvertently. And as you flagship, you need to be careful not to breach data protection or privacy laws when doing so. It's always important to balance the threat of the potential competitive activity against the impact on the individual's rights and ensure they're not breached, and you don't step into the trap of giving the individual an repudiatory breach, which in other words is where there is a fundamental breach of contract that gives the aggrieved party the right to choose to either accept the breach, ending the contract, or affirm it and treat it as continuing. And having done that, uh, the business would then look to interrogate the employee, perhaps even consider a suspension, although suspension is not always the answer. Suspension may be necessary where there are risks to company property or where there's a concern that evidence may be tampered with or perhaps witnesses pressured. However, suspensions are often misjudged in the high emotional reaction to discovering competitive activity. And in these circumstances, sometimes it's uh, acting in haste and rather uh, repenting at leisure. A classic issue is the employee alleging a repudiation of their contract in response to being suspended and accepting the breach as a means of avoiding the restrictive covenants. Suspension also puts the employee further away from the employer's control and interrogation and kills off any chance of persuading them to stay. And in the context of the pandemic, interviewing employees is likely to be tricky. Identifying any inconsistencies in accounts will be important as that can potentially support a claim against the individuals later on. A useful tip is to question a personal assistant or perhaps support staff who work closely with the target individuals. Sometimes they are trusted to type up documents that demonstrate competitive activity or they may have seen emails that relate to the new venture. There can be a weak link in the chain. Also sometimes a junior employee within the team may have been pressurised to leave And sometimes it's possible to persuade them to remain by offering them immunity or potentially a promotion or a financial incentive. Sometimes an individual will have a frustration their managers just haven't identified or they don't feel valued or rewarded. Perhaps they can be persuaded to stay and provide information in exchange for safeguards. But all of that needs to be handled very carefully, also to avoid the individual going down this uh, constructive dismissal route. Uh, And time is of the essence for all of this, because if you can't persuade them to stay, you need to be thinking very quickly about a disciplinary hearing and potentially a dismissal on notice to utilise a garden leave clause in the contract, if there is one, and to put the individual in the garden to protect your business. Uh, What do you think, Shiv? As you say, avoiding a constructive dismissal is
0: very important. Essentially, all employees have an implied term of mutual trust and confidence in their contracts of employment, which means that in the event that the employer acts without reasonable cause in a manner which is calculated or likely to destroy that term, the employee can treat themselves as constructively dismissed. The critical consequence is that this will render all the post termination restrictions, which are designed to protect the business, void and the business will also lose out on benefiting from any garden leave period.
1: Uh, What about the case where the
0: employee has already resigned? In that situation, it might be sensible to trigger the expressed garden leave clause or suspension pending further investigation if that's available. It might be worth getting the employee out of the business, away from confidential information clients and employees and into the garden as soon as possible. What you want to avoid is the temptation to just try and dismiss the employee for misconduct. The downside of that course of action is that the employer risks an unfair dismissal claim from the employee, and it may also lead to an argument by the employee that they are no longer
1: bound by their restrictive covenants. So, uh, drawing the threads together, our top tips are, one, prepare properly so you can do as much as possible, as quickly as possible, without alerting those that are part of the move. Two, have proper IT systems and controls in place. If necessary, invest in an IT system which allows you to detect unusual patterns of behaviour. 3. Have a clear policy in place which states that all workplace communications must take place on the work email system. It's much more difficult to police communications taking place on WhatsApp, so if it's feasible, make clear that other devices apart from a work computer should not be used. 4. Hold an exit interview with employees. Employers should be mindful of their behaviour towards employees in exit interviews, as there's still an implied duty and trust of confidence at that stage. However, questioning the employer about their future plans and whether they have spoken to anyone else in the business can be a good way of getting some intel. Five. Ensure your contracts of employment have a well-drafted and properly tailored restrictive covenants that are updated at appropriate intervals, particularly on promotion. Businesses evolve and your restrictive covenants should evolve with the business. And six, if a team notifies you it is leaving together, consider incentivising the departing employees to stay. There could be a weak link in the departing group who has a change of heart at the last moment and can spill the beans on any unlawful activity. So that concludes our podcast. Shiv and I hope you find it useful. Uh, do get in touch with us via our website or email us at podcast at if you have any questions about anything you've heard today. And join us next time where David Reed QC is dropping in to discuss the implications of the Supreme Court's judgment in Uber on partnerships, LLPs and for individual partners. We're really looking forward to that one and hope you join us then. Goodbye now.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Foxed and we hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe or find out more details on our website at foxlawyers.com.